Hello and welcome to the Sacred City Life Podcast. This is your host, Pastor Justin Dean. And this podcast is all about helping our Sacred City Church family follow Jesus in the everyday rhythms of life. But we do know there are people outside our family that listen to this podcast, and we are grateful for you. We, th- we thank God for you, and we want to help you follow Jesus in the everyday rhythms of life as well. Yeah. And uh, I've got all, I got three gentlemen, not all three gentlemen, I got three different gentlemen on the podcast today. So, uh, guys, would you say hello? How's it going? Alex Tate, Sacred City Youth Director. Joel Bickford, Deacon of Worship. And this is Rob Spikestra, Pastor of Discipleship. All right. Our brother in arms, Kevin Knorr, is graduating from Midwestern Baptist Theological yes. Seminary Ooh, with his cool. counseling uh, master's. So. Yeah. I guess that's an excused absence. Congrats, Kev, if you're listening. Congrats. Congrats, Kevin. All right, so I have the topic of discussion today, and we've been talking at Sacred City. We've been working through this origin series and just really doing a deep dive, first three chapters of the book of Genesis, and then, um, you know, the rest of Scripture as well, looking at a biblical anthropology. Um, we've, We've looked at more than that, but we spent a lot of time looking at the nature of man, what does it mean to be made a mago day? What does it mean to be gendered? What does it mean to be, you know, have a biological sex difference, male and female, he created them? All of these things. What, what does it mean to be um, male or female? And I've mentioned it in a couple different sermons, and we've mentioned it in a couple different podcasts, that men tend to sin in masculine ways, or, or there's, there is a grain of manhood and men typically sin in uh, certain types of ways, and there's a grain to femininity, and women tend to sin in uh, certain ways. Now, we're going to talk about, we're going to, so what I want to do today is I want to talk about the sins, the, the common sins of men. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then in the next po- podcast, I'd like to talk about uh, the common sins of women. Yeah. All right. Now, this might be shocking because some of you, didn't know that women sinned. Uh, <laughs> yeah, did you know that, Alex? Hey, man, they look at their wives like, happy wife, happy life. They, yeah. they do nothing wrong. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and many times in churches, even conservative churches, the men can often get blasted pretty often, mm-hmm. and then yet you can go to church for decades and actually never hear you know, a woman's sin called out from the stage or, mm. or to say something like women might sin in this direction. Yeah. Um, and so I was reading a book called The Covenant Household by Douglas Wilson. It's a newer release or it's a re-release of some of his old stuff. I'm not really sure, but it's on the Canon Plus app. And he had a chapter in there on the common sins of marriage. And it, it, and it went through the sins of men and then it went through the sins of women. And had some good scriptures in there that I thought we should discuss, and I thought, thought it would be helpful, mm-hmm. helpful podcast yeah. to talk yeah. about it. Yeah, it was surprising, surprising to me as I was going through those, not realizing just all the passages that reference to this. I never thought about how particular verses are actually referencing the fact that the men do sin differently than women sin. So this isn't something we came up with in terms of, in terms of what we think. It's actually what Scripture has to say. So that was that was a little surprising to me. Yeah. Oh, I thought we were just going to talk about how our wives sin. Oh, whoa. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Joke. My yeah. wife's like, <gasps> no. All right. All right, so well, let's talk about the sins of men, mm-hmm. right? The common sins of men. 
The first one he writes is abdication. Now, this is one that we've already, I've, 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 we've already talked about a little bit mm-hmm. in the sermon series. Of course, we see this with um, Adam, Adam in the garden. Um, Doug Wilson says on this, says, the first and most fundamental sin that a man commits is forgetting that he is responsible for all of them. And he talks about that the man is responsible for all of his sins. The wife is responsible for all of her sins. But the man is responsible for both of their sins or the whole family's sins. So the way that he says it is... um, the, wo- the man is responsible for the man's, the woman is responsible for the woman's, and the man is responsible for the smith's yeah. sins. Yeah. So the buck stops with him yeah. when it comes to um, being accountable mm-hmm. for those sins, right? So, so one of the ways men commonly sin is through the sin of abdication. Any, any thoughts that you guys have when it, when it comes to that? Well, I, I think the thing that hit me about that is that once you re- realize that the head, because this comes out of the whole whole passage that uh, the, the man is the head of the woman, that if we would kind of understand that as a couple within our marriage, I believe that not only that would that cause me as a husband to be really more... more um, intentional of making, you know, kind of in, in my wife's life, but also I think it would really help my wife who may have, of course, as we see within the fall, her desire to want to lead. All of a sudden it's like, well, I don't want to lead if I'm responsible for everything. I mean, I think it would be, bring some, some yeah. you know, it kind of makes you sober a yeah. little bit in terms of both what it means to be a husband and what it means to be a wife and, and not really wanting to abdicate or take over, if you will, with the woman taking over the, the husband's role, so... Yeah, it struck yeah. me pretty hard. Sometimes we can think that we we can say we're delegating when in actuality we are abdicating. Mm. So I had a man come up and talk to me recently, and he said that he his wife is homeschooling, and he's you know he's working most of the day, and his wife was stressed and frustrated, and uh, it was and there were some things that were going difficult, and she came to him, and he didn't abdicate. He realized that, well, he, he had realized that he had delegated that to her, but he communicated, honey, this is on me. This is my responsibility. So I need to know this stuff so I can help you yeah. and I can support you and I can make sure that you have what you need to have, that it's actually my responsibility to educate the children. Mm-hmm. Like you're, you're, yep. you're right. applying it, but it's my responsibility. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I was just really encouraged as a pastor to hear this man say that, you know, because yeah. that's because what do we want to do? We want to go, well, it's not my fault. It's going bad. Yeah, I wasn't there. <laughs> I wasn't there. Yeah. Right. So um, one of the sins of men is they just abdicate, abdicate responsibility. Yeah. They, and just, I, they just pass it and off. And I think is what you just referenced. I know my wife has come to me or she or she's failed to come to me in one sense because she doesn't want me to have to. Uh, shoulder a particular burden within what's going on within her life or maybe within the family. And I'll find out later and she'll, I'll ask, well, why didn't you tell me earlier? And she says, well, I didn't want to burden you. Well, it's like, well, I'm still responsible for that. And so I've tried to encourage her that even though she may be doing it out of a kindness to me of having to add an additional burden, I'd rather know the burden mm-hmm. and then work through it rather than finding out later that she's been carrying a burden maybe she shouldn't have been carrying all that time. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, of course, this is, Paul says, but I would have you know that the head of every man is Christ, the head of every woman is the man, and the head of Christ is God. Mm. And so, 
That means, in one sense, and he writes in here that if there's if you, if you're having marriage issues, the it it comes down to the man. Like it's it comes back down to the man. Mm-hmm. So men, you are responsible, and that means, and this is really hard. It, it it's really hard to be a man, but it means you got to figure out your wife. You got to understand your wife. You got to get counseling as much as you can. You got to bring other people in. You're going to have to ask for help many times because yeah. you're, you're not going to know what's going on. But ultimately, you are the one in a, covenantal, in a covenantal system. You are the one who's responsible for that. So all of the family's problems come back to the husband, yeah. right? Yeah, Man. that sounds particularly difficult too because I think, I think we're tempted towards wanting to, like even in a counseling situation, like you own 50%, I'll own 50%, let's meet in the middle. And it's like, man... I think the, the Bible calls us to something, men, something more than that, you know, like, yeah. So that is, that is a weighty thing. It also reminds me of, you know, if Christ is the, is, uh, love your, love your wife as Christ loved the church. Well, how, what did Christ do? Like he assumed all of our sin, mm-hmm. you know? And mm-hmm. so that's a, again, just another weighty picture of what the, the task is. There. And, mm-hmm. and hu- the husband is the covenantal head, no matter what. So if the cut, co- if the husband, is abdicating his responsibility. He's saying, it's not my fault, it's my wife. It's not my fault, it's the kids. It's not my fault, it's the boss. If he's doing that, he's actually preaching a false gospel Mm -hmm. to his family and to the world. He is a head who's meant to represent Christ, and instead, he's representing Adam, Mm -hmm. the guy who abdicates responsibility. Was this, in that that reading, was this where he... He identifies the fact that even if the man has moved away 500 miles wherever else his absence at the table is still preaching yeah. a false gospel. He's still ahead. Yeah. He's just a poor head. Yeah. That's why they call it father hunger. Mm-hmm. A father who who completely abdicates his responsibility and walks away from the family. Mm-hmm. His absence still dominates the home. Mm-hmm. Right? Because God made men to be the head as Christ is the head and and God is the head of Christ. And so if that head is not there, it's felt. Yeah. Mm. yeah. Its absence shapes the home. Yeah. Right? In, a, in profound ways. Mm. So men and women, little boys, little girls grow up with a father hunger. Yeah. And they can go, this is why we talk about girls. Um, I remember Will Ferrell joked on Halloween about all the girls who go out and they wear super skimpy, super sexualized outfits. And he's like, this is the one time a year that we actually see, we can see everybody who has daddy issues. Mm-hmm. And, and, and it's a, yeah. these girls who haven't had the affection of a father or haven't had the presence of a godly Christ uh, head in their home, yeah. they're out looking for male affirmation mm-hmm. out, out in the world. And young men who have that father hunger are more prone to criminality, more prone to, uh, get, to get attached to athletics where they're going to find a, a, a coach or something like that to be their father. Um, and they're, you know, the, the, the man is the head. He's, it doesn't matter if he's there or not. He's either a good one, he's an absent one, or he's a bad one. Yeah. Yeah. Right? But he's he's going to dominate the family no matter what in that sense. He's going to lead the family yeah. in some direction no matter what. So so when you say all these things, I mean for a lot of guys it seems like this is a very heavy weight. Is this is this why a lot of the young men nowadays don't want to get married? Don't don't want to be a part of relationships and they just want to be to themselves because it's such a heavy weight? Yes. It is. And it's also why they are perpetually immature Mm. because we become our best self 
by carrying this heavy weight. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This heavy weight is meant to focus us. It's meant to, it's kind of like the flashlight that you can make it a floodlight and it kind of goes everywhere versus the flashlight that you can just focus that thing in and it become like a laser beam and you can mm. cut, you can cut through steel with that. Yeah. That's what the family life and marriage and responsibility is meant to do to us. It, it's meant to focus our intensity, focus our passion, focus mm-hmm. our strength, focus all the good things about us down into this now protect this family. Right. And that makes us, it, it focuses our sexuality, right? This one person. Mm-hmm. And that's what, that makes it life-giving and not destructive. Yeah. So, yeah, it's it's going to make men perpetually immature that, that don't ever carry that weight. Right, they're gonna in our gym analogy, these are men who are never going to bench more than ninety five pounds, mm-hmm. because they don't load up the bar. Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. So yeah, all right. Second way that men are prone to uh, sin is this: excuses, excuses, excuses. I don't know if this is true. You <laughs> think this is true, guys? Oh, no, nah, man. <laughs> <laughs> you just. You didn't hear me right. Mm-mm. Yeah. Mm-mm. You don't understand. Yeah. It says, men need to learn to be men. If men are generally lacking in masculine initiative, authority, and glad acceptance of sacrificial responsibility, then they will certainly lack it in their marriages. Single men should know that marriage does not alter what they are. It amplifies mm. what they are. Mm-hmm. And so, of course, we know Adam Adam and Eve both, but Adam, you know, he makes, makes an excuse in the garden. Yep. Right? It was this woman that you gave me. So he's kind of implicating Eve and implicating God. And ever since then, uh, we've been making excuses, right? We just don't want to take responsibility for our sin. We don't want to take responsibility for somebody else's. I can't tell you how many counseling sessions I have that the men come in and they are convinced it is 100% her fault. Mm. And there is no hope for a marriage Mm. if either party thinks it's 100% the other person's fault. Yep. Yep. And men have got to take ownership of of their sin and of their wife's sin, obviously. But they they just can't make excuses. Mm. What kind of what are common excuses? Um, I never had the example when I was growing up. My kids, their common excuse: Well, I forgot. I forgot, and I always tell them, "Okay, so now you've." I said, "So now you've done two sins. <laughs> now, you did the bad thing and you forgot the good thing yeah. because we're." I mean, it's a commandment to remember. It's a mm-hmm. commandment to, you know, remember the gospel yeah, and remember who right. God is and remember good things. And so you think saying I forgot is a, is an excuse. That's not. You're just compounding your sin. <laughs> yeah, yeah, You're yeah. getting a greater problem. <laughs> and so I forgot is a common excuse. Um, what's what's the more, uh, you guys, any go-tos for you? Oh, I, I know one I got for me. <laughs> Man, I'm tired. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, goodness. I, I'm tired. Yeah. My kids are always like, they made me do it. <laughs> they made me do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, my friends, my friends made me do it, or my sister made me do it, or right. Yeah, you made me do it because you got upset, or you said that one word and it triggered me. Yeah, yeah. Like no, 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 no one has any control over you that you do not give them. Yeah. Mm. So you are one hundred percent responsible. And men, we just we like to make excuses. Any, any other common excuses that you guys got? Oh man, I think I'm trying to think about my marriage. I, I would say. If I say something dumb or I say something insensitive or, you know, I wasn't, you misunderstood me. Like, oh, no, 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 you know, so it's like, it is, it's like a backpedaling of like, that's not what I meant. 
Instead of just saying, let me explain it to you in the Greek. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. So. yeah. <laughs> Instead of just saying, I could have heard a better wrong. way to say that. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah I, I think one that that's easy to do is, oh, I didn't really mean it, you know. So yep. you do it, you say it, yep. you come back and say when you know when you in your more saner moment you reflect back on it, you're reflecting maybe, you know, with your child or with your wife, and you're saying, well, re- I didn't really mean it, you know, kind of a feel to it. It's like, well, at the moment, yeah, I really did mean it. I knew that when I said that, that was going to hurt, you know. But then I want to come back later and say, oh, I, you know, when I'm in my, my more saner moment, I want to kind of excuse it by yeah. saying, oh, I yeah. didn't really mean that. It's like, yeah, I did. I did at that moment. I really did mean to hurt you. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. I think there's, I mean, we make excuses by blaming our boss, by blaming downturns in the economy, yeah. by blaming, you know, stock markets. We want to, we just, why do you guys think we tend to make so many excuses? I mean, a lot of us don't want to be wrong. What does it mean? What? Why? Why, why do we not want to be wrong? I mean, when you look at it, you want to make it seem like you have it all together or you got things in order. Yeah. And when you don't have things in order, you, you look less manly, I guess you would say, or feel less manly. Yeah. Yeah, we certainly want to put, put forward our best self, mm-hmm. and we want people to think highly and well of us. And so when we know our true self and that true self slips out in some kind of a sin, the first thing to do is we want to cover so you yeah. think about Adam and Eve there in the garden, and that's the first thing they did is they wanted to cover. You know, they wanted to hide. They wanted to somehow not let God see what was true of them, and so they mm-hmm. used the covering. And so excuses are just a, mm-hmm. a way that we cover our our lack, our failures. Yeah. yeah, and it's weird because the more you make excuses, <clears throat> the less likely you are to actually learn from yeah. your failure. Yeah, that's right. You know, and failing's not bad unless you keep doing it in the same way. Right, yeah. Like, failing is a, is a necessary piece of learning, mm. but the man who makes an, makes an excuse isn't learning from his mm. failures. That's good. So yeah. what, do, what do we say to the person that doesn't make an excuse, but the, they, their standard in their head is so low that they, that, that they never not meet the goal? Well, I don't know... If I, I can't, I, can, I don't think I can speak to somebody's standard in their head because I, I would say there's biblical standards that yeah. they have to meet, mm-hmm. and that's what I'm talking about. Yeah. So we're going to get to it in a little while. We're, we're, a man is called to provide for the family. Yeah. And if he's not meeting that requirement, he's not providing for the family, then he's going to be prone to make a lot of excuses, right? Now he's failing a a standard that God set. Yeah. Now God doesn't say they have to have half a million dollar home. You got to have three cars. You got to have cable. You know all this stuff. Mm-hmm. But you have to provide for the family. You need to provide a decent living for your family. Right. Yeah. That's the standard. Mm-hmm. So if this guy has got like, hey, you know, we got a tent. We got a tent in the backyard and. You know, we got a few kids, but we're all happy. Yeah, I would say that that guy has a very low standard, and mm-hmm. he needs to read the Bible. Yeah, and he needs to get a higher standard, mm-hmm. right? Because mm-hmm. um, the standard isn't just uh, when you read the scriptures. The standard isn't just you know your kids aren't dying; they're not starving to death. Yeah. The the standard is that you providing for them in such a way that they are they are flourishing, mm-hmm. right? That they can be hospitable to their neighbors, that they can give generously to their church and to the poor and to the the 
the work of God in the world. So you need to, that guy needs to raise his standard yeah. and repent because he's probably making all kinds of excuses. Mm-hmm. For sure. You know, he's probably making all kinds of excuses of why it's okay um, to not provide for his family. Yeah, I think we see the love of God in that he does require us to be responsible because I'll go back to what you said earlier that once you take on responsibility and you fail, you then have some some way to then you confess, you repent, you have some way to grow in that. When we give excuses, what we're doing is we are now causing someone else to be the problem, and we're out of you know it's, it's out of our yeah. hands in one sense. We lose agency. Yeah, we lose agency mm-hmm. exactly, and mm-hmm. as a result of losing agency, then we never grow. We never become what God has called us to do. So you can really begin to hear the love of God in in giving us standards of which He is holding us accountable to, so that we will grow towards those standards. And that's interesting. When you think of this. When it comes to our political life or our social life, mm. men want to make excuses. Mm. It's the government's fault. Mm. It's because of this system. It's because of that system. They want to make excuses. And the more excuses you make, you, you're actually, like you're just saying, losing agency. Mm-hmm. Well, what can I do about it? If the whole system is set against me, what can I do about it? Right, I'm just a, I'm just a, a cog in the machine, and I can't do anything about this. And we should be saying, no, 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 I am responsible. Yeah. So it doesn't matter if you grew up on the wrong side of the tracks. And I don't. When I say it doesn't matter, I don't. I don't mean that that those these things aren't going to affect you in profound ways. Right. right. I mean, the only way out of immaturity of insecurity, of failure, of loss, of brokenness, the only way out is to take maximum responsibility. Mm-hmm. To 100% stop making excuses. I'm not going to blame my teachers. I'm not going to blame my neighborhood. I'm not going to blame the government. I'm not going to blame my family. I'm not going to blame my girlfriend. I'm not going to blame anybody else. I'm going to take ownership of my life. Yeah. Yeah. And from this day forward, everything is on me. What I eat, every yeah. choice I make, my education where I go to school, all these things, I'm going to, and, and I'm going to work my way out of it, mm-hmm. right? By taking ownership and stopping make, making excuses. Now, Doug Wilson says something in here. He says, men need to do this. We, we need to do this all the time. We never need to make excuses. And he's like, but that doesn't mean sometimes there won't be an ex- like a really good excuse. Yeah. Like sometimes there will be a really, like if you got hit by lightning on the way to church and you were late or something, you know, or, or that's a really good excuse, but it's also really rare. Mm-hmm. And he says, the reason we needed, we needed not make excuses is because nine times out of 10, yep. our excuses are terrible, but you know, maybe one time out of 10, we actually got a good excuse. Right. 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 But traffic is bad is not a good excuse. Yeah. That was your failure to plan for traffic. Yeah. Right? Yeah, you should have woke up earlier, yeah. right? And yeah. laid your stuff out, prepped your night, you know, so yeah. that you could be ready for the day. 100%. Yeah. So you can always, you nine times out of 10, you can go back one step and you're going to see that it, it was, again, it was your fault. Mm-hmm. It was mm-hmm. your fault. Yeah. Like, you didn't plan ahead. You didn't see around corners. You didn't think through what you should have done, like you just said, laid out all your stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm thinking about the, the reverse side of this and it's viewing responsibility. Like there's no glory without responsibility Mm -hmm. and so seeing that i'm trying to remember what the scripture is but it's it's the the succession is because jesus laid down his life then it's therefore 
he is, was exalted to the right hand of the Father yeah. and above all things. So it's this suffering before glory. It's it's seeing. I, I can't. Yeah, I mean, eating 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 healthy or getting fit. That's a great example. Like if I take responsibility for that and then I get fit and I'm healthy and I live longer, that's a glory that I I get to glory in that. Yep. You know, I get I get the I reap the benefits of that, and that's on me too. So just as much as it, the negative is on us, I think if you look at it in the positive light and say, you want glory, yeah, that's what you're fashioned for, that's what you're made for, go out and get it. Yeah. So. Yep, it's great. All right, sin number three, marital infidelity. Mm. So men, we are visually stimulated. God made us this way. We are, by and large, again, we're speaking in generalities, more um, sexually driven, let's just say. Jesus specifically talked about um, the man. He says, you've heard it that it said that thou shalt not commit adultery, but I say unto you that whoever looketh on a woman to lust after her hath committed adultery with her already in his heart. Now, this gets confused a lot of times because obviously lust, lust in the heart is still sin and still sexual sin. And yet the consequences of lust in the heart are different than the consequences of lust in real life. All right. So obviously lust, or I mean, adultery in real life, I'm sorry, adultery in real life could be a reason for, um, could be a reason for divorce. Mm -hmm. And yet lust is not a reason for divorce. That Mm -hmm. is not an adequate reason for for divorce. It's not grounds for divorce, Mm -hmm. but lust is the, Lust in the heart is the seed that, if left unchecked, will produce real adultery. Yeah. Right? Real adultery. And for those who push back and say, no, Justin, lust in the heart is just as bad as, as uh, or adultery in the heart is just as bad as adultery in real life. I would say, well, think about Jesus' next example. He talks about anger. And he says, if you're angry with your brother... It's as the sin of murder. Okay. So if adultery in the heart is the same as adultery in real life, are you saying that your anger, your anger, and when you get angry, it's it's the same as committing murder, right? He's making a point here, but the point is not that just getting angry is just as bad as murdering someone. Yeah. We, we all know that. That wouldn't that would really negate the whole law that said in the Old Testament, if you commit murder, you know, an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. This is what happens to you if you keep, commit murder. But if you if you punch somebody and, and they lose an eye, then this is, the, uh, this is the response to that. It's corresponding to what you did. So if you took out somebody's eye, then you have to pay them back, you know, in some way mm-hmm. that would compensate for them their loss of eye. It wouldn't be you punch somebody, they kill you. Right. Right. So he's not equating these things. Mm. He's trying to show that anger, if left unchecked, it's, it is, you know, anger says, be angry and do not sin also. Scripture said that, I just read it again this morning. But so be angry and do not sin. But anger, if left unchecked, can lead to and produce murder. Well, I think, too, even with that, like, um, your lust has to be in check, right? Um, because if you don't check that, it's like, why am I being so lustful? Am I not, you know, having enough sex or being sexual with my wife and all these things? And if that's not the case, like, and you're wondering, like, why is that? 
I think the more you dig into that is like, are you making your spouse be safe or feel safe? Like it's a safe place where then that intimacy does come more often. But when you when that's not checked, that's when you, lust becomes into more sinful where it's like, okay, now I'm, I'm having an intimate relationship with someone else. Mm. So, Yeah. So lust, again, it's this small thing you think that you, you invited in maybe because a real woman is harder to please. Yeah. And so this is easy. I'll take care of myself and whatever. So you invite it in thinking it's like harmless. Yeah. And it's this little baby dragon that demands to be fed. Hmm. And obviously the more that you feed it, the bigger that it becomes. And then eventually it destroys you. Yeah. Yeah. And this is the book of Proverbs, Proverbs chapter seven, that if we don't, put this sin to death. This is honestly, this is like a great picture of sin that we see, um, you know, when God speaks to Cain and he says, sin is crouching at your door Mm. and it's desire, it's desire is for you, right? And you must master it. Mm -hmm. And if you don't, it's going to get you. Well, lust is a great picture of that. And if you don't master it, and that means like, like Joseph, sometimes you got to flee, you got to run or flee sexual morality. Yeah. There's lots of shows that you can't watch. Um, you know, I, you know, I, 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 there, there's, there's plenty of shows that no Christian man should ever watch. Yeah. You know, um, and now I, I get it now that there's, there's, there's ways to filter things and stuff. I get it if you filter it, but if you made it through Wolf of Wall Street and you weren't convicted, then there's something wrong. Mm. There's something wrong. And you have fed into that. Right? You fed in you you fed that lust where now it's not it's not that big of a deal. Yeah. Right? Or and I'm just I'm just naming that one, but there's you know, I, I could say the same thing about Game of Thrones. I could say the thing, same things a lot, you know, um, that that stirring your lust is a key component of the movie, of the show. Like they're their debauchery is the hook of the show. Yeah. Right? That's why they that's why they, they put it in that show to hook to get young men to watch it. Mm-hmm. Right? And so we should be fleeing from that stuff. Yeah. I think even going deeper than that is I mean stuff that lust can get you where you're in your regular rhythms of just going to the gym. If you're just going to the gym to check out chicks because they're in less clothing, like you should really check your heart and check your lust. Um, but even with this, um, like, what does it look like for men to get help in this? Um, should they go to their wife and confess that? Or should they get with other guys and say, hey, man, can you help me accountable? Yeah. Uh, hold me accountable? What does that look like? Yeah. So I recommend that they do not go to their wives yeah. and say this. I, th- I recommend that they go to the pastor. They go to their MC, male MC leader. They go to their fight club. Mm-hmm. And that's not to avoid the accountability that their wife could provide. I think... Their wife is not meant to be their accountability partner. Their yeah. wife, they're meant to lead their wife and and confessing to your wife and, and that your your struggles with lust <clears throat> um, can actually make it worse. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She's gonna feel like she's now your accountability partner or the Holy Spirit, and she needs to check up on you all the time and ask mm-hmm. about it and how are you? And then she's gonna be really insecure. Mm-hmm. And I mean, it's just gonna stir up her insecurity. It's gonna when it a safe place disappears. This, that's not yeah. listen. That's not 
Some men, some pastors recommend that because they think it's men confessing and holding. I think that's not taking responsibility. Mm. I think that is putting your sin yes. on your wife yes. yeah. instead of taking responsibility for hers and your sin. Where you go to your pastor or your MC leader or your fight club, and you say, "Man, I'm really struggling with this." Yeah. And uh, listen, I, I would say every single healthy man that I know struggles with lust. All right. God built us this way. He built us to know our wife, to be attracted to our wife, to desire our wife, to every time we see our wife, to go, "Man, I desire my wife." You know what I mean? Like it's your standard. That, but he's made us that way. Yeah. Well, that doesn't turn off when we go to the gym. That doesn't turn off when we go running or we go to Walmart or we go wherever we go. Mm. And so we are going to notice. And C.S. Lewis had a great analogy. He said, you know, a man can't stop a bird from flying over his head, yeah. but he can prevent it from creating a nest in his hair. And that's, and, and we can't, it's not a sin to notice a woman's beauty. It's yeah. not a no, It's not a sin to notice a girl who's wearing a low cut top and a, you know, or belly shirt or skin tight pants or what. It's not a sin to notice her. Okay, it's not a sin to to, to be like, whoa, I, I notice her. But it's a sin to dwell on it. It's yeah. a sin to run it around in your mind. It's mm -hmm. a sin to stare. It's a sin not to fight it. So, yeah. it, you know, you're gonna notice it, but you have you can't let it. The bird build the nest in your in yeah. your hair. And so, so yeah, men will, and, and the intensity of your fight, I've noticed in my own life, this, it's like, uh, it's like it ebbs and flows. Sometimes it's not a problem at all. Sometimes it's really intense. Yeah. And I'll, I'll let my wife know that. I'll let my wife know like, man, you know, it's an intense season right now. And I just really need you yeah. more right now. Mm -hmm. I, I'll let her know that. Um, and that's, God gave us this to fight sexual morality. Like, yeah, that's what first Corinthians seven says. So he gave us this, you know, wife's never to deny her husband. A husband should not de deny the wife that our bodies belong to each other. Yeah. And if we, uh, and, and one of the reasons God gave us marriage is if we burn with lust that we should get married, right? That's a, it's a good thing. Yeah. So, so yeah, but, but what that might, that might mean, you know, I, he, a guy shouldn't go to the gym at a certain time of day. Yeah. Right. Or a guy needs to have his own gym in his garage. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, mm -hmm. Or you shouldn't be able to, you, you can't have Instagram, or you can't have certain yeah. social media apps, or you can't. And some of the stuff is seasonal, though, right? I mean, like you just said, like, there could be different seasons of. Some of like, it could be seasonal, okay. but I just want men to be honest. Yeah, that's Men good. to be honest, because um, when you're tired, when you're frustrated, when you're, when you, maybe you've had a drink, when you've, when you, any time that your guard is down, mm -hmm. if you have that thing in your life, it will be easy to go to. Yep. You know what I mean? It'll be easy to go to. And then your wife's not, not her standard, so you're sinning in, in a sexual way. Okay, so fourth, harsh bitterness. Mm -hmm. I, I, would, I would say this is just kind of angry outbursts. Men are mm -hmm. more prone to, to get angry. And um, It says, Paul said in Colossians 3.19, Husbands, love your wives and be not bitter against them. So men... We are, we are required by God to keep short accounts, to not get bitter against our wife. When it says, be angry and do not sin, it says, let not the sun go down on your anger. Yeah. And what it's saying there is keep short accounts. Mm -hmm. Now, 
I have heard some interpret that in a very literal way that brings devastation to their marriage. Mm. Like, we're going to work this out tonight. If We're not going to bed until this gets solved. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, no. That's not what that Bible verse means. Like, yeah, if yeah. you guys are both exhausted yeah. and it's 10 o'clock at night, <laughs> do not start quoting that Bible verse and then try to fight it out until you get it figured because that's just going to compound and get worse. Yeah. Sometimes you need to go to sleep and just wake up in the morning, yeah. and you'll have a totally different it's attitude. It's right. It's amazing yeah. what the next day will, when you have a little bit of rest, thinking, what were we fighting about last night? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and yeah. you kind of you can almost laugh at each other, you know, yep. kind of, okay, we got a different perspective after a little bit of rest. So, yep. yeah, I would agree with you completely. A- 100%. That. Yeah. 100%. The other, yesterday, uh, maybe it was two days ago, my son was coming to me, and, and he's asking for a new pair of shoes, and it needs workout shoes. Well, now, my son is a sneakerhead. He's got yeah. a bunch of shoes. He spends all of his money that he gets on shoes, and I'm like, uh, you're, you know, I've been trying to teach him frugality and not wasting his money and investing and being wise. And he comes to me wanting shoes. And he comes to me at, it's like 9.15. I just got home from MC. I sit down in my chair. I'm, I've been going since, you know, early in the morning. And I said, bud, I'm not going to answer that right now. And then he's a teenager. And so stop. he just... Nag and nag, 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 nag. Try every every reason I gave him, he would, you know, he was. And I just said, dude, you're not going to win this right now. And then, oh, good, you know, and it, just, it spun, 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 spun. And finally, he gets mad. He goes downstairs. And then my wife went downstairs and said, listen, you are nagging him at 930 at night. This is not going to go well for you. Right. Like, he's tired. Mm-hmm. You know, he's even more prone to say no because he doesn't want to have the argument, you know? Yeah, yeah. So it's like, if I'm being nagged, no. Yep. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. Because I don't want to think about all of my reasons, and <laughs> yeah. I don't want to talk about it. Yeah, so yeah. if you're going to nag me when I'm tired, my answer is going to be no. Yeah, yeah. Simple. It's simple. It's, it's the simplest way. For I, sure. And it doesn't cost me 100 bucks. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> For sure. For sure. But then the next day, we had a conversation, and I ordered the stinking shoes. <laughs> he actually did That's need good. tennis shoes and stuff, but... For working out, but anyways, gotcha. that's just the the simple the simple reality, right? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, ahead. and I was gonna say you can see how some of these would work off of each other if you start making excuses and you begin to see in your wife things that your grievances. So, in other words, you begin to come up with grievances of why you are justified in mm. this. You can see how then this can lead to this bitter bitterness, and so yeah. we got to stop making excuses. Because if we start making excuses, we begin making a list of all the reasons why we have grievances. And before you know it, she does one more thing and we go off the handle. You know? yeah. So these all work together. They all do work together. I just thought of one. A guy who struggles with lust and, um, and he says, well, my wife doesn't give me enough sex. Yeah. My wife is cold. She's cold. She doesn't like sex. She pushes away from me. She's frigid. She only gives me sex once a month or something like that. And he, so I, so I lust and maybe, you know, I take it too far and I masturbate and do things like this. So your wife's behavior is a contributing factor. Okay. It is a contributing factor, but it is your fault. It is your responsibility. responsibility. Yeah. You do not have a right to lust and to sin against God and to sin against your own body and to sin against your wife because she's sinning. Right now, that's I'm saying her sin is a problem, but her, your sin is not because of her sin. Right. So men have got to take 
responsibility for their sin, full stop. Mm-hmm. Right? And we'll deal with her sin when we talk about the sin of women. Yeah, for sure. Right? So harsh bitterness. Uh, men, we're, we're, we're told in 1 Peter 3, 7, that husbands likewise dwell with our wives with understanding, giving honor to the wife as to the weaker vessel, as being heirs together of the grace of life, that your prayers will not be hindered. So when we're harsh with our wife, Peter says our prayers to God can be hindered. Mm. Yeah. I think for a lot of guys, we just got to check ourselves, right? If we're being harsh and we know we've been moving for 15 hours, 16 hours throughout the day, get some sleep. Yeah. <laughs> get, get some sleep, you know? Yeah. So, well, so we don't really know. I don't know 100% what he means by the wife is the weaker vessel. If right. he's meaning physically, if he's meaning emotionally. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, Peter says it and it's there and we women are complicated and we do need to dwell with them with understanding and that means we got to study them we got to understand them we got yeah. to understand their frame yeah we can't speak to them like we speak to men here's one of the reasons that i prefer a predominant masculine working environment mm. is because men speak to men in very direct clear ways most of the time yeah that we don't, there's not stuff underneath what we're saying. <laughs> right, right, yeah. There's sure. not like ulterior motives and like we're not thinking relate. We're just saying, did you do that? No. Why not? Or, yeah. hey man, you didn't do a good job there. Yeah. What happened? That's, we did, literally, we just want to know what happened. We want it, we just want the product to be completed on time and everything to go well. Yeah. We're not aware of, did you know that they're having marital problems and this is going on at home <laughs> and all, and they're like, no, no, because I'm not home. I'm at work. Yeah, yeah, for sure. For sure. I'm at work and we're working. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. we talk about work things. And and so and so men can tend to speak. I mean, this is true in the military. They bark orders. Why? They bark orders because when you're in a, a, an environment like that, you need clear communication. You don't want a bunch of confusion. You don't want a bunch of emotion. You don't want a bunch of chaos. And you got a task to accomplish, right? And men tend to communicate in that way. And then when, and our ladies communicate in a completely different way yeah. oftentimes, right? Yeah. And so the way we speak to men is not the way you cannot, you should not speak the same way mm-hmm. to your wife. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. So can you break down a little bit when you said study your wife? I know there's probably a lot of guys saying like, what does that even mean? You know, I know how to study, um, I'm done with school, like, yeah. right? So maybe they just checked out of the whole studying thing. What, what does that look yeah, like? Yeah, well, we didn't, and we didn't identify the sin here. We actually oh, did, did not? You know, we didn't say, it's oh. called blockheadedness. Yeah, so this bad. is the sin of being a blockhead. That's mm. what the sin is that men have. <laughs> and what we're talking about here is when we talk about studying our wife. Well, what'd, you, what'd you say? Obtuse. It's not a scripture. No, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, right, right, right. Yeah. It's yeah. blockheaded in well, the ESV. Yeah, <laughs> yeah and... It'd just be the fool. Yeah, it's yeah, the fool. Exactly. Yeah. It'd be it's the fool. fool. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so what you have to do is, it, what it's referring to is, is it's giving the same kind of attention that you would if you were trying to pass the test, if you had some kind of, you know, any kind of test that you wanted to, to get certified for something. What you're wanting to do is you're wanting to be very aware, very intentional to understand, you know, what what it is that they need from you. So you've got to, it's, it's about being um, just very aware of who, who your wife is and what she needs at what particular time. So it's a constant kind of interaction with her and just not trying not to see her through your eyes as a man, but trying to see her through her own eyes. It's, 
yeah. I, I don't know if that helps. Very or did I did I get confused there? Yeah. So so being a blockhead is not being wise, right? Wisdom is about understanding the way God made the world and operating effectively in each unique environment. So one of the ways we say it around here is knowing someone's frame. Yeah. And so, you know, me and my son can wrestle and punch each other and be rough. And then as soon as he does that to his sister and she starts crying and he says, oh, I barely touched her. I barely touched her. You know, he's making he, an excuse. Yeah, he's making, <laughs> and he's being a blockhead. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because, because, you know, he's not realizing that he has to change the way that he operates with a woman. Yeah, that's good. Right? Or uh, I'm walking through a lot of this stuff with my son right now. So, so you make fun <laughs> of your buddies, like yeah. you yep. joke and make fun and nice pants, dude. Whatever, you know. Yeah. Why are you short so short, bro? I can see mm-hmm. your quads. You know, mm-hmm. like we, you just joke with. And if you do that to your girlfriend, she will not be your girlfriend for very long. If you, what? Because, walk around with caprice because yeah. she gets insecure. She yeah, gets yeah. really insecure about it, right? Yep. Like, and so you 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 got you can't be a blockhead, right? You yep. can't be a blockhead. <clears throat> so men, we have to study our wives. We have to learn. When I said that, that did not go well. Mm-hmm. So I need to change the way I say that. Right. Um, when I approach the situation in this way, that did not go well. And and our wives are constantly evolving, and so some of our tactics have to be constantly evolving. Now listen, I heard it like this. I heard this recently. That as men, we're called to take the lead. Yeah. Now most of us in this room, have we're not Fred Astaire. We've never probably had formal dance lessons. No. But when you take formal dance lessons or whatever, the man is to take the lead. And there's certain steps that he performs. Yeah. And <clears throat> someone said... for you said, to move your hips right now. And I don't know who this was, <laughs> but someone said... A, you know, oh, Fred Astaire is amazing dancer, blah, blah, blah. And then the, whoever his dance partner was, and they're like, really? Because she did the same moves backwards and in heels. <laughs> and I, that is a good depiction of how masculinity and femininity are to work together. That he's to take certain steps and he's to lead. And she is, if, if, this, if the dance is really going to work, she has to do what, he, what he's doing backwards and in heels, in a sense, in a mm-hmm. feminine way. So she's kind of... Uh, dancing backwards, right? And so that means if you change your step, she's going to change her step if, yeah. if you guys are in sync. And so you're going to learn, oh, I stepped on her toes there. That didn't work. That didn't work. And then she's going to go, oh, I, I, you know, and you're going to work, you're going to learn this dance together. Yes. Yeah. Right? That's, That's, That's how That's it's meant, meant to look. All right. We got two more. Number six, uh, we kind of already hit on it. The man does not provide. So poor provision. Um, we've already really hit on this, actually. You know, yeah. man can't blame his boss or his circumstance for his failure at work. Um, it says, but if a man, if any provide not for his own, especially for those of his own house, he hath denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. First mm-hmm. Timothy five eight. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> the one thing I did like about what he said that I had not thought about, he talks about looking down the road. Yeah. In other words, anticipating what could come, and it's not just simply, hey, I've got the paycheck on the table for the day or for the week or for the month or whatever but he's also saying that we should be thinking out into the future in terms of anticipating what could happen and so in other words you know it, it is a case of saying trying to have some kind of a as an example some kind of a emergency fund mm-hmm. because guess what happens emergencies <laughs> yeah. it is inevitable living in a fallen world that things like that have happened and so if we don't 
think of in those kind of anticipatory terms, that's what this is referring to. We can get ourselves into a lot of trouble. I, I appreciated his, uh, his uh, focus on that as well. Yeah, and I don't – I've said it a couple times recently, and I know I heard it somewhere, and I can't remember who I heard it from. But the book of Proverbs and this idea of provid- providing for our family, the man is meant to see around corners. And when you're learning how to defend yourself and when you know corners are the most dangerous place and, you, and, and you're walking around a corner expecting somebody to be there, expecting the idea of seeing around corners is more than likely if there's a bad guy, he's probably right there. Yeah. And though I don't know he's there and he might not be there, I need to prepare just in case he is there. Mm-hmm. And catastrophes happen. And I hate to say it like this, but catastrophes are actually fairly common. Tornadoes, floods, lightning, fire, age, death, cancer, sickness, car accidents, broken limbs, financial downturns. I mean, yeah, it's all in the Bible, right? Yep. Famines. Yeah. It's all in the Bible. Yeah. Demonic oppression, people losing their minds. Yeah. It's all in the Bible. And the fool says, oh, everything's going great, and I expect everything to go great, and so I'm going to structure my finances and structure my family as if it works perfectly when everything goes great. Yeah. And, and the wise man says, praise God, it's going great. I better not spend everything I've got right now, and I better save yeah. because who knows what's around that corner. Mm-hmm. Are you just going to get insurance, right? I'm going to pay the monthly insurance, so if my kid has a fender bender, like... <clears throat> It's, well, that's it's one taken of the care reasons. of, you know? <laughs> that's one of the reasons we do that. But yeah. so here's what, again, this is so funny. This is all coming back to the stuff I'm trying to teach my son right now. But my son, you know, he's got a little job and doesn't make much money, barely keeps enough, but wants to buy his shoes. Yeah, yeah. Wants to buy his shoes. And I'm saying, son, you need to have at least $1,000 in your bank account. Mm-hmm. $1,000? Why do I need $1,000? Do you know how much breaks cost? Yeah. No, <laughs> you, know, <laughs> you know how much you know one little fender bender could cost. Do you know how much you know these these different things? Young men, they have no idea, yeah. so they see. You know how many shoes I could buy with a thousand dollars, right? And they just want to spend it. And we have to teach our children to see around corners, and we have to do it ourselves, yep. right? And the, obviously, the bigger family you get, the better at this you have to become, and the you know, the bigger your emergency fund has to be. Yeah. Right? You get two kids that break their arm in the same month, Ooh. you're yeah. in trouble. Right? I'm not even thinking about emergencies, but even the joys of life, you know, like I'm pretty okay with just not taking a vacation. You know, I'll do a staycation or whatever. If I can just provide the month to month thing, okay. But you have a family, we want to go to the beach, we want to do whatever. Usually my wife is thinking up these things. And then it's kind of like, okay, if I'm not planning for that, I have to plan for that. So it's like, okay, either we need to look at the budget and cut things back or more than likely I got to go find, you know, I got to find a way to make more money. We got, we got to figure that out. So it's also looking not just to the catastrophes, but mm. what kind of joy do you want to have in your yeah. life too? Yeah, that's good. And that's, that goes back to the blockheadedness because mm-hmm. our wives need things that right. we may not need as a right. man. We may say, yeah, we can stay home. No big deal. I can get yeah. some work done around the house. And she's looking at you yep. going, Oh no! Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I've been it. working around the house all week. Yeah, nah. right. I need away from the house. Beach time. Well, and and honestly, that is the man being a blockhead because he doesn't realize what he needs. Yeah. He doesn't realize what his kids needs, 
and he doesn't realize how big of a blessing that would be. He's the, he's mm-hmm. the guy that's like, why did God take a day to rest? Yeah, right. Yeah. He, he could, you know, right. and God took a day of rest to to enjoy what he had created. Yeah. And when you go on vacation, I, I genuinely think I think everyone should provide at least you know a, a, a week vacation if they can for their family yeah. every year, mm-hmm. because you learn so much about each other. You get to see kids in a different environment, kids in a different place. You're in a different place. Your wife's in a different place. There's no responsibilities in a sense. There's a freedom that comes from that. You get to play. You get to have a good time. You get to experience things. And and you really get to, you're just out of the normal rhythm. And I would, you know, I've heard it said like a change of place plus plus a change of pace equals a change of perspective. Yeah. And it, it happens, it happens so much on vacation that you need to get out of that rhythm. And I think, yeah, I think, uh, Father should provide for that. So you, you've got to be thinking about that as well. That's good. All right. Lastly, right? Yep. Lastly, mm-hmm. and this is kind of all the way through all of these sins, and that's the sin of laziness. Mm-hmm. Um, Proverbs 10.4 says, He becomes poor that works with a slack hand, but the hand of the diligent makes rich. And so... Laziness, obviously, I think most children are born pretty stinking lazy. Um, we prefer to stay in the house. We prefer to lay around and watch TV if we can. We prefer to play video games. Most of them, most kids don't want to clean their room. They don't want to do chores. They don't want to help around the house. Yeah. And, you know, and most men, we work, you know, if we work all day, we get home. Well, I mean, some of us, we just want to sit around and be lazy the rest of the day. Mm. Some of us, are prone to laziness where we don't, we never get a job, right? We bounce around from job to job to job because we are just not good workers. And obviously the, the failure to provide and laziness that really goes hand yeah, in hand. Yeah. yeah. Another one he pointed out, I thought was good is mental laziness as well. Mm. And that's uh, important because we need to be aware of the world that we're living in and the times that we're living in, in a way that will be wise. Yeah, that's good. So if you're not, if you're not, paying attention if you're not reading if you're not you know getting aware of what god's word has to say to the world that you're living in you're gonna be a fool oh man so mental laziness spiritual laziness yeah. oh i don't want to go to church i'd rather stay home and watch nascar i'd rather stay home and watch football so we're, pr- we're prone to lethargy we're prone to just being blobs that just want to seek our own comfort we don't want to get outside and play play football with the kids we don't want to go on the family walk we don't want to work harder to, to provide for the family or to provide the vacation mm-hmm. or to buy the wife of the minivan that she wants. Like we, we would, and then men tend to make it about our wives, uh, inability to be happy or inability. You're never satisfied. You're, it's like, bro, it's not just, it's not her dissatisfaction. It's your laziness. Yeah. Mm. You don't want to take on responsibility. You don't want to, you don't want to do more work. Yeah. Right. And, it's a major problem. And I think this is something that we need to reject um, mentally, spiritually, physically, when it comes to our reading, when it comes to our prayer life, when it comes to our Bible time, when it comes to our working out and being being healthy and honoring God with our bodies. Like, man, laziness, it's a sin that men are prone to, and we, need, yeah. we just got to push away from mm-hmm. right? Yep. We got to re- reject it. So, all right, so those are seven sins that men are prone to. Let me just say again, the answer to all of these sins is 
First off, confession. Secondly, repentance. And then third, bearing fruit in keeping with repentance. So that means living a virtuous life. That means instilling the habits into our life that continue to put these things to death. Right. So, so what's the what's the hope for a lot of the the guys that listen to this podcast? Got all the way through the podcast without shutting it off, and was just like, "Man, I I'm terrible at some of these things, or even all of them." What 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 joy or what hope or um, can we give them? I think you gave it just there. Okay. I think repentance, confession, mm-hmm. repentance, and now press forward, take responsibility, bear fruit with that repentance. I think that's the hope. You know, that's what Christ did for us on the cross. I mean, that's exactly, he takes the sin so we can, we can confess that sin of whatever number, you know, of these seven, we can confess that sin. We know that he died for that sin so that we can repent of that sin. And then he empowers us through the Holy Spirit to go forward in in the fruitfulness that comes from that repentance. So that's the hope. The hope is is the very thing you said. I would Mm -hmm. say one more. Um, and it, uh, one more that we're prone to, to sin in, and th- that is to believe the lie yeah. that we can't change. Mm. To believe the lie that because my dad was this way, I'm going to be this way. Mm. Uh, my gra- you know, whatever it is. Like, no, you can change. Like, yeah. God promises us through Christ we can change. Mm-hmm. So, but it's interesting. We change by taking responsibility. We change by not having excuses. Yes. We change by taking responsibility for these things. This is how we change. We, we want to push away from it, and then we complain about not changing. Well, yeah, if you don't take ownership, you'll never change. Mm-hmm. So, hey, man, God, your future, you look much better in the future than you look right now. If you're following Jesus, yeah. if you're following yeah, Jesus, he's going to make you into more like himself. And he is the one who took ultimate responsibility for everyone's sins that mm-hmm. he didn't commit. Yeah, right? that's good. So that's good news. So, all right. Men, hey, ladies, I'm going to say one thing here. Do not use this podcast as a stick to beat your husband. Yeah. Mm. All right? <laughs> We're going to own, we're gonna get to your own sins, but you can send it to your husband, and I hope he does listen to it. I am recording it for him. But do not use this yeah. podcast as a stick <laughs> to smack your husband with. All right? All right. I love you. I'm praying for you. God bless you. Talk to you soon. Mm-hmm.